You're ready to trip? Haha! My dudes and dudettes, how are you? Simon Sobek here with episode dos of your FMF podcast, Simon's Valley Trip. So, um, a lot of people, not a lot, but some people were asking, um, what's FMF or what's your FMF? And that's a question that I want you guys to answer on the comments on the Facebook thread. So my FMF or my FFMF, my favorite fitness routine, music and food, is what we're going to talk about today. And with all the feedback that you guys give me, we can go ahead and talk about that on episode three. So my favorite fitness routine, and just to give you a little super long story, short story, I kind of got into fitness around, when I was around 25, I was probably like a buck 65 and 6'2", so I was pretty, pretty, pretty skinny, very, very skinny. And I started doing calisthenics, just dips and pull-ups, sit-ups and running every now and then. My hometown, Merida, it's a mountain city, so you can run pretty good distances up everything that you run, it's uphill. So um, I started doing that, and I really liked it, and then I kind of started leaning towards getting a little bit of more volume than uh, than tone and then I started getting into lifting which didn't last too long because I kind of started feeling like a meathead I was getting a little bit too big and too heavy my knees started hurting a lot my back also I started developing back problems that I still suffer from time to time from lower back uh, pain and spasms because I was lifting a little bit too heavy and uh, through the course of the years I was uh, oscillating between 185 to 190 but then I got really big so I hit like 197 and one day I was going out to a show and I picked up this shirt that I haven't worn in a bunch of time and when I put it on it's like my arms were disgustingly big the shirt was about to like pop open and I said like all right I'm done with this so I started doing research and totally changed my training routine I started doing basically what um, triathlons so I started my workout dependent consisted on running swimming and biking and in the morning and then calisthenics at night and i trimmed down to 182 super super quick and i maintained my weight around 10 years basically between 182 185 and consistently pushing uh, calisthenics and mixing it up with a little bit of uh, free weights then I peaked into 
CrossFit, but didn't really dig it. I don't know what if it was the whole like environment that they have at the CrossFit settings. Uh, I'm not against it. It just didn't work for me. I kind of work. I like to work out by myself. I don't like to work out in the CrossFit settings where everybody's there and according to the guy that gave me the the tour of the gym saying yeah we'll be here doing the same workouts all together and encouraging you so for me it sounded like one of those uh, pyramid schemes conventions dedicated to workout and I I don't like that I you know I like to work out by myself so I said no I'll just keep doing my calisthenics, cardio here and there, mixing it up, and then found yoga. Yoga was huge, and it's it's a huge part into my, my fitness routine now because with yoga, something that I achieved that I never achieved before with all the other uh, workout programs that, that I've tried was to really, really trim down my midsection. And that's due to that core engagement that we have to use in yoga that starts with the legs, with the quads, activating those quads, activating the glutes, squeezing the glutes. And when you're standing on what's mountain pose, when you're standing just, you know, you're standing up straight with your legs together and you flex those quads and squeeze the glutes you can feel the thighs rotating towards each other and you can feel how the pelvic floor lifts and then you squeeze and flex your abs and once you engage that and you keep it engaged throughout a whole session or as much as you can your midsection is working hard so it's burning a lot of fat and I I got to trim down my midsection uh, thanks to yoga Plus all the other benefits, I do not suffer from my back pains as frequently as I did before. Of course, my flexibility has increased tons, and I have very much stopped being a tense, uptight grouch. I still have my episodes. I'm not a morning person, but hey, we're not perfect. Everybody's a... Uh, work in progress but yoga has helped me a lot and I think that once I started teaching it totally 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 made a, a bigger difference because once you teach you really feel that sensation that you are given something like it's like giving something back when you know because once I realized what yoga did for me I just couldn't wait to, to start teaching. And once I had the opportunity, um, as I mentioned in, in the first episode, I've gotten great results. And it's not that I'm, you know, claiming to be a, a Zen master or a guru or anything, but I felt a lot of uh, different connections with, with a lot of people, and they have been very, very positive at all the places uh, where I teach and also uh, the private clients that I get at my house. So a little bit uh, to, to just to close it and narrow it down, that's the routine that I still follow today. 
uh, it's based on calisthenics, dips, and pull-ups, and ab work with a lot of uh, cardio in between and yoga. So my week looks like this. I will do every other day. I will wake up and do calisthenics and then do my yoga. And my personal practice consists in 10 minutes of meditation. Then I do a vinyasa flow that's almost an hour. And then I do a little bit of yin yoga to really open the hips, get that deep uh, stretch to, to release the tension um, on the hips. The other days of the week, I would do fastening cardio. So I would not have breakfast. I would not eat anything, probably a glass of water, maybe coffee sometimes, because coffee really like gets, you, gets me going. And I will do a brutal cardio session that I found on Phoenix. If you guys haven't checked that app, check it out. There's a bunch of guys from Florida um, doing um, a bunch of circuits and workouts based on calisthenics and cardio. I do some of their workouts on my, my cardio days and complemented with uh, my yoga practice afterwards. Sometimes I like to go to Icon Sports Alliance and do some heavy lifting or some circuits there with uh, Coach Eddie or take one of uh, Charles' classes, a kickboxing classes or a TRX class whatever um, the trainer is doing there if if I get there by the time before the class starts I, I really try to get my my workout with them and I wanted to talk to you to you folks about a couple of t trends there are out there especially in the the diet in side we're not gonna put the diet in on the food section today. We're going to talk about the diet just inside of the the fitness area. So there are two diets that have been um, gaining a lot, a lot, a lot of power in the past years. One is the paleo diet, also called the caveman diet or stone age diet, and the ketogenic diet. I'm going to explain you a little bit what both of these diets are, which what are their principles. And so if you go to a gym or you get a, like a personal trainer and they try to talk to you into one of these diets, you guys have a little bit of um, an idea of what they're, they're talking about. So first, the paleo diet, it's based on non-processed foods. So the diet typically is going to include like fruits, vegetables, lots of uh, roots and meats, but it's going to exclude dairy products, grains, sugar, processed oils, salt, no alcohol, no coffee killer this diet is very very popular amongst crossfit practitioners they 
live and die for this diet. So, um, if all these diets have pros and cons, all these diets, I think there's not a perfect one designed for um, everybody or for each person in the world. I think you have to take in consideration your bone structure, your build, your body type. Once you once you start uh, on a fitness regime and a dietary plan. And now I'm going to talk to about the ketogenic diet, which is a high-fat, adequate protein, low-carbs diet. Okay, so what this diet really tries to do is to force the body to burn fat rather than to burn carbohydrates. Okay? So, normally the carbohydrates that are in our food are turned into glucose in our body and um, then that's, that's basically our, our fuel. But the ketogenic diet, since it's based on a lot or like a high content of fat, forces the fat to break to produce the energy that the glucose is supposed to produce. So what you're going to be doing is you're going to be burning more fat and your body's going to be going to get used to burning fat instead of burning your glucose. So that first of all it helps to burn fat, get rid of fat, it also helps to maintain a healthy level of glucose uh, deposits or storage of, of glucose. Like I said, you can go online, you can check it out, you can do your own research. Um, with fitness, what works for me is that even though I have like a base plan, like I mentioned on the calisthenics, cardio, and yoga, I always try to switch it up here and there so you create a little bit of shock also in, in your body and your muscles. And um, you can get a little bit of different progress, uh, not different progress, like different angles. It's like having different points of view, like, all right, one day I'll go and do power lifting, I'll do squats, deadlifts, cleans, and um, then another day I'll just go and hit the bags or run, something like that, you know. But create a baseline of exercises that you're going to do, and then switch it up here and there to just to give your body a little a little trick so um so you can also engage your muscles in in different um in different pers like different perspectives yeah so now um let's go to music which is i have to say my number one passion my my um yeah that's music is it's the drug it's it's the highest high and uh i've gotten to experience it both off and on stage and it started pretty early like i mentioned in in the first episode my dad was always playing 
music at home, whether it was rock or folk Venezuelan music or classic music. There was a time when we were living in Syracuse University where my house became like the United Nations headquarters. All the international students that were there at Syracuse University would gather at my house and everybody from different, from, you know, people coming from a lot of different countries, they will bring whatever instrument they had that was particular or um, a folk instrument from that region or from that country. And they would just jam on any song. Somebody would call it like, all right, this one is just G, D, A minor, just follow. And he would sing like a verse and a chorus, and then everybody else would just come in and jam like solos were with different instruments and they would play each song was like 20 minutes you know it was like those uh mo and fish songs they were just jam sessions and they just had so much fun and i was exposed to that very early in my life then when i moved back to venezuela i had this um idea this idea and it all happened because my dad was very, very strict with my sisters. So at the time, my oldest sister was, uh, I think she was out of high school already. So yeah, she was in between like 15, 16 years old. So all her friends were having the her quinceanera party, the 15 years party. And um, well, that was always a big deal because all your friends were going to be there. Your crush was probably going to be there and all that. Every time my sister asked for my parents for permission, my mom would be like, well, ask your dad. And my dad would be like, um, you can go, but you have to take your brother. So I was her chaperone. What happened was, since boys are so dumb, because we go to those parties and there's the boys on one side talking and the girls on the other side talking, girls waiting for the boys to come and take ask him to dance and all the guys out there like yeah i'm gonna go uh after this drink i'm gonna go and ask her out by the time you realize you're all wasted you don't even know what you're doing so i was there and all my sister's friends will be like oh simon come on dance with me and i'm talking about my sister's friends were all very very hot so I was uh, 11, 12 years old, and I'm dancing with these 15, 16-year-old girls who are like women already, super, super hot. And I turn around one day, and I see the guys from the band that were playing at, the, at one of the parties, and they were a merengue, a merengue band. And all these girls are just like drooling over the guys that sing. They usually, merengue bands have like three singers, they do a lot of harmonies, and they have dances, you know. They have, like, choreographed dance. And these girls were just drooling over these guys dancing. So I'm like, that's what I got to do. I got to get myself in a merengue band, start dancing, singing all these songs, and get tons of chicks. Well, then one of my neighbors, I remember she, get, she made me a mixtape with, like, the top, top merengue hits at the time. And I would play that tape back and forth, both sides. Yes, I'm talking about tape, cassettes, back in the day. 
and I would rock that. It was, oh man, I can mention here a bunch of the bands, but no, probably no one around here will know, but it was merengue and salsa. That's what I was listening to all the time and dancing and doing my moves in my room. I was always like locked in my room, practicing my moves and whatnot. Till one day, I go into my dad's office. I was already 14, 15 years old. And uh, this guy that works in, in the university where my dad used to work, he has his office at the end and he had a turntable there. And he used to play like rad rock records and all kinds of music. And one day I go looking for my dad. My dad wasn't there yet. He, I think he was in a class or he was probably at the cafeteria or something like that. So I see this guy, his door's open, and he's like, hey, what's up? Come over here, I have something to show you. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I just came back from the States. I heard this record and it blew my mind. Um, get fucking ready for what's about to happen to you. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he takes out Appetite for Destruction from Guns N' Roses. And as soon as I saw the cover, I'm like, oh, this is some shit I'm not ready for. And he took that vinyl disc out of that little plastic sheet that they give you, and he gave it a look, and it, it for me, it was like, you know, it, it all happened in like four seconds while he took the record out, he gave it a look, put it on the turntable, and hit the needle. But for me, it was like, two minutes of just watching that and knowing that something weird was about to happen. And mind you, I've, I had been listening to The Doors and Hendrix and Led Zeppelin, The Beatles, The Rolling Stones, all those classic bands. But I, I had a friend. His name is Danny. Big shout out to Dr. Danny Omania. But I, um, I got into it. I became a Guns N' Roses super fan immediately. Then m my boy Danny got a hold of Appetite and Lies, and then there was that torture of waiting for the Use Your Illusion records. And right there in that period, while we were waiting for the Use Your Illusion records, um, Danny's cousin brought in all his Metallica records. And my man was I hooked into both of these bands, and I'm like, man, this is just insane how good these bands are. And then the '90s hit, and then came, you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Dinosaur Jr., The Melvins. Ooh, a couple of years after that, Oasis. But uh, I mean, all those '90s bands that just shook the world and kind of like eclipsed all the music from all that hard rock from the 80s 
kind of leaving Guns N' Roses like the only survivor after that. I never heard anything else coming out from Poison, from Skid Row, from the other bands. So I just pretty much stuck to all the Guns N' Roses albums and started just chasing bootlegs of concerts and all that. And that's what I listened to all the time. And here and there, I um, I would play something else. And once I got a hold of Pearl Jam's 10 was when I really s- kind of like found my voice because before listening to Guns N' Roses and trying to sing like that, it, it was just not going to happen. So when I discover all these like baritone guys that can sing, I was like, all right, maybe I, I can try that. And that inclined me more towards pursuing music. But it took, it, took a, it took a while. It took years for me to finally get a hold of, of a guitar. And with nobody to teach me or being, not being able to, to afford music lessons, I just, this is what I did. I bought a guitar on eBay an acoustic guitar and started downloading tabs for my favorite songs uh, online on Google. I would just search black Pearl Jam tabs and started learning the songs and then start learning like classics like House of the Rising Sun, Simple Man, Bob Marley song, like pretty easy basic songs that can get me through and that's how basically I, I started writing my own songs too, kind of like you know imitating those chord progressions and maybe just switching keys here and there to kind of recognize what patterns you can follow to write a song. Always, always wanted to get into shredding, always. But every time I kind of like set myself to become a lead guitar player or not I don't necessarily want to call it a lead guitar player but a guy that can at least you know recognize um, a scale and play a solo along to a song every time I set myself to do that I got into a band where everybody will tell me just focus on singing let the guitar playing to that guitar player if you want two guitars in the band we can get another guitar player but focus on your singing which made me understand that my technique was not very good to begin with just to be a rhythm guitarist so i i have the luck slash kind of bad luck a good luck slash bad luck to have been in bands with some insane shredders that knock off the idea from my head of becoming a lead guitar player like i i don't want to play a solo in front of you that will be embarrassing um and i'm talking of course of guys like dan o'donnell chris kalloyan hunter p martin cueto every time i play i call up sal or brennan to jam with me at acoustic gig i'm basically calling them up there so they can play an amazing solo and i just look in awe of how great these guys are. And around here, the Temecula Valley is just insane. Every time I sit with, in with somebody to play, if I have my acoustic guitar, I'll be playing those two, three chords, and then 
this other guy just comes and shreds to pieces. And right now, I have the insane fortune of uh, being in a band with Blake Noble. And Blake Noble is not only an insane guitar player, it's just overall a super well-rounded musician, crazy, crazy songwriter, and fucking beautiful, beautiful person. I am so lucky to have that guy in my band and be able to jam with him every time we get together. I just feel so grateful to, to have him. And every time we're, sh we're on stage, I just sometimes I just keep playing the chord progression. And he looks at me like, are you gonna finish singing this song? And I'm like, dude, I'm just admiring your work, man. I, I, I can't go back. I mean, nothing will do justice to the song after your solo. So that's uh, pretty much um, music. After the 90s, I, I, I really just added a couple of the bands from the 90s to my Guns N' Roses um, lunacy. And um, only a few bands here and there can captivate me, I think. I can consider myself an Avenged Sevenfold fan because I really uh, follow every single record that they put out and I'm always uh, very, very aware of what they're doing. Uh, Stone Sour also because uh, I just love the vocal range that Corey Taylor has in, in each album that they put out. He makes sure, just as with the Slipknot records, that he's going to take a different risky approach to make his vocal sound even gnarlier, bigger, warmer, whatever it is. But uh, he's a guy that, that I, I really follow. I like the bands that he plays in, Stone Sour, Slipknot. And uh, whenever he does his solo tours, where basically are, he's just playing covers, just like Aaron Lewis from Stain does. But he does amazing renditions to some songs that, not everybody would think Corey Taylor would be playing. So in music, yeah, I kind of got stuck, like I said, um, I've said it over and over, with uh, Guns N' Roses and um, never like never looked back. I, I haven't been impressed by a lot of bands. Talking major, major bands. Of course, the Foo Fighters, every time they come out with something, it's always great. I've been following Pearl Jam. Happy that Soundgarden is back. Uh, hopefully, they're going to put something out soon. Um, locally, I, of course, am a huge, huge fan and find great inspiration and have tons of respect uh, for MSATs, the band that used to be The End Return. Anthony Collins. Um, I haven't gotten way too deep into the what the original bands are in Temecula, and there's tons of them. But you know, we have to make our bread by playing these cover gigs. And sometimes when it's time to put out the the original music, it's it's hard to find that that support. So, you know, some of us. Don't take the risk. Some of us go out there and do it. I was in an original band a few years ago based in uh, San Diego called Circle 7. 
and we we made an album but after i think i was in the band close to two years it took us almost a year after you know in the first year we finished writing all the songs that they already had they used to be called six reasons and then they wanted to start a whole new project with a with a new singer so they added me to the project we worked on these songs for about four or five months and once we had decided all the songs that were going to be in the record we went and recorded with the great uh, Mick Kinner down in San Diego and came up with an album called In Between of which I am extremely proud and was just dying to play everywhere and uh, I think a, a little bit of a little I'm just going to say a little bit of everything with everything meaning all the kinds of stuff that happens and that happen in in bands um I kind of felt out of love for the project because of a few differences uh, within the core of of the band and ended up quitting and then um I moved to Denver and uh, did my own thing around there. Got uh, with a couple of guys, Mr. Lonnie Jones, guitar extraordinaire, Jason Heathman, badass drummer, and Dave Sweeney, a great, great, great uh, bass player guy. Um, him and Ryan Kilpatrick, former MSATs, have... They're like very similar cats. They play the upright bass. They play fretless. They play Rickenbackers. They rock whatever it is. They're they're amazing bass players and, and great people. I had I was very lucky to have those guys in, in my band. Lonnie is another insane, insane shredder and songwriter. I had the chance to work with, and then I found my way back here in California. Shared stage with the the boys from the end return and that was kind of the inception of the black hat saints as we were doing the sham jam every wednesday at the shamrock or I th it was every other wednesday uh hunter had uh, a little band uh with a couple of guys and he would do one wednesday we would do the other and then yeah the black hat saints were born and now we're we're working on writing a lot of original material, doing our cover gigs and all that. Hopefully we'll have something soon. So uh, see if we can submit for those TVMAs as an original band instead of as a cover band. And now that we talked about music, should I tell you guys that I like Guns N' Roses? I think I did, right? Yeah. Oh, and of course, I went to see Guns N' Roses in the not in this lifetime uh, reunion tour mm, and I saw well I, I saw video I saw footage of Axel singing for ACDC and I was really pleased to see that because that is no easy gig and I think the guy really killed it um, so uh, yeah I think you guys kind of know that I like Guns N' Roses so let's talk about food shall we 
food, food, food. And by talking about food, I can tell you I eat everything and anything that you put on a plate, I'll eat it. I like to experiment a lot into uh, trying different uh, types of food, different food cultures, and I am insanely lucky that I got married to a foodie extraordinaire like my wife because we have tried, since we've been married, we've tried everything. I introduced her to pho, the Vietnamese food, or pho. Uh, to I was introduced to pho by my good friend, uh, happy belated birthday, Mike Hong, in Peoria, Illinois, one day that we were hung over like a motherfucker. And he told us, all right, I'm going to take you guys uh, to a place and bring you back to life. And we had pho, and needless to say, I can eat that every single day. So I introduced my wife to it, and she was mind-blown immediately, and it became one of our staple uh, meals. We have tried Afghan food, Moroccan food. We were just in Morocco a month and a half ago, and we're just mind-blown by their food culture. It's just insane. It's super light. It's so fresh. It's The aromas and the taste and the food are just something that you really have to try for yourself. We, Italian, of course, Spanish food, tapas. We love Argentinian asado. Are you kidding me? The Argentinian barbecue, those guys are the masters of the masters making uh, uh, barbecue, grilling meats. What else have we tried? We've, man, we've tried tons 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 of food sushi of course we love sushi but what i really want to talk to you about is venezuelan food because if you didn't know i happen to own a venezuelan food cart and our staple food is the arepa which is a flour cake that we stuff with whatever you can imagine in the world all types of meats uh, grains, what else would we put? Yeah, we do, um, excuse me, we, this, there's one, and, um, and if you want to go to my Facebook page called Arepas Rock, and that is A-R-E-P-A-S, separate, R-O-C-K, you're going to find there the menu. And the concept of Arepas Rock is basically two of my biggest passions, music and food, combined. And I named each arepa after a band. So we have, for example, the Led Zeppelin, which is the band, bands of the band of bands, bands of bands, the probably the most famous band after the Beatles. <laughs> but this. Arepa has the main ingredients of our pabellón, which is our classical or typical meal. And it consists of rice, black beans, shredded beef, and fried plantains. We do keep the rice out of the arepas, and what we do is put white cheese in it. But we still call it a pabellón, arepa. So I, I named it the Led Zeppelin. And if you go through the menu, you can find other 
um, at APS, like the Green Day would be um, the um, scrambled eggs with green veggies. Uh, we have also the Guns N' Roses, of course, which is shredded beef with uh, cheddar cheese. We have different uh, types of um, of arepas, and they all have a different band name, and that's the, that's how the concept came along. And very soon, hopefully, I'm going to be able to open a store because the food cards are frowned upon. Temecula City regulations. So I had to shut that one down, but I'm just patiently waiting to open the store. Uh, so we also have a Christmas specialty or Christmas special food called ayacas, which is basically a tamale that we make and it's wrapped in um, banana leaves. So we laid down the the flour cake, if you call it. It's like a, a thin sheet of flour and you put the stuffing in it, which we call guiso, and it has, that guiso or stuffing has beef, chicken, pork, um, garbanzo beans, olives, Capers, I'm missing one. It's my, it's one of my daughter's favorite food too. Raisins, yeah. And it, you know, it has a special seasoning, and then we just wrap it up and cook it for approximately four hours, and then it's just to die for. And we we usually cook it uh, for for Christmas. That's our our Christmas uh, special plate. And that's so. So I think, yeah, that's that's basically my FMF. So, if we were to resume my FMF, it would be calisthenics, cardio, and yoga for the first F for fitness. Guns and Roses and nineties for my music, and arepas. I would say just to, you know, be like a shameless promoter of my business, but basically any food that you can put on a plate, I would totally, totally, totally try. So now that you know my FMF, what's your FMF or your FFMF? Favorite fitness routine, music, and or food. Tell me, what's your F, F, M, F? Dudes and dudettes, this was episode dos. I'll see you guys tomorrow. I won't see you, but I'll see you guys tomorrow with episode tres. Peace out.